And we're back with more on News Talk Saga 960. So very glad you could join us on this Monday edition of the Mark Petrona Show. We have George Ann Burke on the line. George Ann is a communications expert. She is Senior Vice President of Pathway Group, and she comes to us from Ottawa, the nation's capital. Welcome once again, George Ann. Thank you, Mark. Nice to be with you. Well, we're on the eve of a of another uh, federal election, and so yeah. I know that you're a Conservative Party supporter. You're a supporter of Aaron O'Toole's. Uh, how do you like your chances right now? So I have said all along, and I continue to say, I think it's a dead heat. Um, as you can see, the polls are back and forth, like, uh, you know, they're, it's like a roller coaster ride, up and down and up and down. Every day it's a little bit different. But actually, if you look carefully, they're within the margin of error. Um, whether the conservatives are up two or three points or the liberals are up two or three points, it's within the margin of error. Um, and what is going to matter for both sides uh, because the NDP is not going to win. They're a factor, but they're not going to win. Um, what matters for both sides is getting out the vote, is there is, you know, getting people out to vote. A lot of people have voted already, some by mail-in, some in advance at the returning office. Of course, uh, this weekend is advanced poll weekend, so a lot of people are voting at advanced polls. Um, I think they're doing it because they don't want to stand in long lines on election day. Nobody likes doing that anyway in general, but especially now, with uh, their concerns about the pandemic. And it will be especially slow because there's going to be protocols in place uh, at the polling places that are going to slow things down. So um, I'm encouraging people that I know to get out and vote um, early, not often. That's the American <laughs> Just, just early is good enough here in Canada. Um, and that way they can avoid the, the rush of election day and the crowds on election day that would normally not be an issue for people. They really wouldn't mind, but they might this year. Do you so, see? Uh, um, so I think I think it's a dead heat. Okay. I really do. Do you see a lot of interest in voting? I mean, do you think uh, turnout I, I will do. be high? I do. I think conservatives are highly motivated um, to get out and vote. Uh, I know I've seen what really um, is unusual is that liberal voters are demotivated. A lot of them are unhappy with Trudeau, um, unhappy with the direction the government has taken. Uh, generally unhappy because the last year and a half has been extremely, extremely difficult for people. And I think they're ready for change. The question is, who are they going to see as the best agent of change? Um, and I, I think, you know, clearly Aaron has the lead on that. Is it enough to overtake the deficit that they had to begin with with the Liberals? Is it enough to give him a significant minority government or or even a majority. I doubt that a majority, I'm being very honest, I think a minority is possible. The question is how big it is. And if it's a really small minority, is Justin Trudeau going to go to the governor general along you know, with some of his friends from another party and say, we'd like to form government, which you're allowed to do. And the governor general who just got appointed by this prime minister could say, yes, you can go ahead and try to form government. And then he could make a deal with, just, with Jagmeet Singh um, or the block or whoever or both to give him a larger minority, still probably a minority, um, and potentially continue as prime minister. I don't think Canadians would like that very much. I think that would be a huge misjudgment, but that doesn't bother them because all that matters to them is power. So, But isn't it possible that Justin Trudeau, if it's a minority and he fails to get his majority back, uh, the whole exercise would have been deemed uh futile and, uh, and wasteful million dollars yeah. 600 million dollars yeah. in a pandemic to do this yeah and uh, will he step down and in, in your view or 
we hang um, on. We try to hang on. I've, I've always said, uh, you probably remember me saying yeah. this a few times, that I think he doesn't want to be there anyway. He doesn't seem like he wants to be there. Yeah, he he puts his drama teacher hat on and he waves his arms and gets all passionate in debates. But I think that he really is tired of having to pretend that he's actually doing something. My guess is that if he wins a minority, he'll try to say, well, you know, I, you know I'm going to stay for a little bit and then eventually get out. If he actually doesn't win, I think the party will push him out. He'll have to leave. Um, one way or the other, he's not hanging around. If he won a majority, I was pretty sure he wouldn't stay for four years. I was sure he would stay for two and leave on a high note and head off to some big job with an NGO or some fancy job with some climate change thing or whatever, you know, down the road. Um, so either way, I think he wants out. Um, and one way or another, he's not going to be around that long. And there are a lot of people champing at the bit, I'm sure, within his own party to replace him. So yeah, I'll bet. All right. So, uh, I mean, if O'Toole wins a minority, I mean, I, that opens up all sorts of questions around how he's going to govern. If you're talking yeah. about uh, the far left, you know, do you get support from the liberals uh, if they once they get rid of, of Justin, he steps down? Uh, I mean, we saw this play out back in 2006 when Harper won his minority. We saw mm -hmm. uh, some support, uh, kind of a bill-by-bill bill type of scenario, and well, he was that, able that, to govern. Yeah. That's generally how it works. Yeah. Um, I don't think that the conservatives have ever been able to count on one of the other parties uh, for real support. It's not like they could form a coalition with the NDP or with uh, the Liberals or with the Bloc Québécois or anybody else. Um, what I what I do see um, is him item by item, bill by bill, uh, approaching them. Now the difference with the 2006 minority that Harper had and the one that just that Aaron O'Toole faces now is that uh, that Stephen Harper had Jack Layton to deal with, and Aaron O'Toole has Jagmeet Singh. There could not be two more different human beings on the planet. I'm not going to sing praises to J to Jack Layton because I loved his politics, because I clearly did not. But I will tell you that I know that Harper found him to be, generally speaking, someone you could actually work with, that he understood, they each understood each other. They each understood the limits that they would, you know, wh where the line was in the sand. And, now, and certainly Harper never actually asked him to do anything that he knew he would never say yes to, right? Right. Uh, so they were able on occasion to work together. Um, there were liberals that once in a while would vote with the conservatives. Uh, there may have been blocks that voted occasionally with conservatives. He was able to he was able to cobble together what he needed to survive. I don't think it's going to be that easy for Aaron O'Toole. Uh, there may in fact be members who um, are willing to work with Aaron um, once you know if he in fact does get the minority and doesn't get pushed out by a coalition. Um, and I know he's going to make every effort to be collegial. That doesn't mean that he's going to step back, I don't think, from the things he's already promised. Believe me, he's very moderate as it is. I think everybody knows that. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, how he governs. Um, and it's going to be more interesting for me to see uh, what kind of a team he puts together, hmm. who is doing what. That's well, what I'm going to be watching for. I mean, I know you're headed south uh, to Florida, right? Yeah. Home. Yeah. Lots of talk of lockdowns here. Excuse me. Um, and I know that uh, you've spoken against them in the past and uh, you have 
contacts and, and friends and colleagues who say uh, any more of this could push uh, hundreds more, thousands more businesses uh, over the edge. Yeah. Um, you know, we're looking at vax uh, passes coming in, I guess, in a two-tier or a two-prong, a step, two-step uh, process, and I guess the, it's September 22nd. There's a lot of people who are, you know, you know, just not getting it. They don't want to be forced to to get it. And so uh, we're looking at some potentially volatile times weeks ahead as the uh, government of, of uh, Ford, the Ford government pushes forward with its plans after saying it wasn't going to do it, to do it. And then, of course, if, if it ends up being Trudeau as prime minister, then he's all for these vax passes. Um, what are you sensing on the street? What are you hearing from people in terms of, uh, you know, another crackdown for uh, sort of moves towards a medical tyranny, for lack of a better word? So I, um, what I am hearing from just regular people um, is two things, one, one of two things. Either they're completely fed up with us and are saying, you know what, another lockdown, particularly a lockdown, would be completely unacceptable. So, of course, the excuse the government is using to not do another lockdown is vaccine passports and mandatory vaccinations, which another cohort of people really dislike. Then, of course, there are the lemmings, the Canadian lemmings who will just do whatever they're told. They've been carefully trained over the past you know, four or five decades to just follow orders and march right into the sea. I think I put a tweet out the other day with uh, a, a hole opening up and people just dropping into the hole. Uh, as they march towards the hole that was opening up, that's exactly what I see here. Um, is people just don't maybe don't maybe they don't understand or maybe they don't care about the danger of just simply acceding to all of these demands that government is making. Um, now, to clarify to everybody out there, I am very pro-vaccine. I am personally vaccinated. Not that it's anybody's damn business. Um, I believe that people, if they wish to get vaccinated, should do so. I think it's uh, it does protect you. It's not 100% effective, but it does protect you. What's interesting is the first vaccine brings you up to 84% protection. This is okay. the Pfizer. That's is this more, the Pfizer you're talking about? That's more than yeah. your flu vaccine ever did, okay? Um, and the second vaccine brings you up over 90% in most of the cases. Um they so so in any case my point is that that i believe i believe in vaccinations but i don't believe it's anybody's business whether i'm vaccinated or not and i certainly should not have to show no offense to bartenders restaurant owners hair salon owners and nail salon owners i shouldn't have to show them my medical history to be able to get a service done that is utterly ridiculous the other thing i just saw today and it struck me as such a brilliant comment from a nurse who said for the last 18 months we have been expected to work in hospitals with COVID patients and non-COVID patients without vaccinations. Now they're telling us we can lose our jobs if we don't get vaccinated. I don't get it. And I said to myself, you know, she's right. She's 100% correct. Yeah. This is just ridiculous. You cannot force people to get vaccinations. We have encouraged people to do so. Most people who wanted to have already done so. Um, People who are hesitant will eventually maybe do it if they feel more confidence in the vaccine as they see time goes on and people don't get sick and don't have issues. Um, they, they may indeed go decide to get it. But in the meantime, when you have, they told us, I, I also said this tweet yesterday, was two weeks to flatten the curve. Then it was 
vaccination and we're free and clear. Then it was 70%. Then it was 80%. Now it's 90%. Could you guys make up your minds? When are they going to follow the science? When? Uh, And what is the science? Who the hell even knows? Because it changes every day. I also have my favorite gif is the moving goalposts. The one that's (laughs) way back and forth. (laughs) They move the goalposts like more than I change my clothes. So, I mean, like it's ridiculous. Um, People have no faith anymore in what these people say. The politicians lie. Either they lie by commission or ignorance. Okay, but they're not telling us the truth one way or the other. They're getting their information from medical people who really don't know what's going on. There's no way they could possibly totally understand this this uh, issue. And what they actually just need to do is let people go back to normal and, and, and let life go on. People will continue to do what they do. If they want to wear masks, they'll wear masks. If they're worried, if they're that worried about COVID, they'll go get vaccinated and they'll wear masks or whatever, or stay home or whatever they want to do. The rest of us who have been responsible, gone and gotten vaccinated, uh, or those who choose not to for whatever their reasons are, they may have very good medical reasons. They may have just personal reasons, religious or other reasons not to. Let us just live our lives. Those people who choose not to get vaccinated do get sick. That's like, I hate to say it, but it's their right. And for people who say, well, don't treat them, be careful what you say, because there are a lot of people that end up in hospitals because of their crappy lifestyles and they get treated anyway, because that's our system here. We treat everybody. We don't turn people away because we don't like their lifestyle. If we would have done that with people who are HIV positive, because we didn't approve of their lifestyle, there would have been a major uproar. And it would have been wrong to do that as well, just by the way. So um, doctors take an oath to treat people, uh, not, not not to let their personal opinions decide whether or not someone should be taken care of. Yeah, we, we, we've all paid into the system, whether you're vaxxed or unvaxxed. That's Taxpayers, correct. I mean, we've built this system, and so to now say, well, you don't uh, deserve care. I mean, we've saw, we've seen this in the pages of some local newspapers. I want you to hear this clip by uh, Justin Trudeau talking about, quote-unquote, anti-vaxxers. Yes. And uh, I need a minute to, chew, to cue that up. But it's not very complimentary. I mean, his, I don't know if you've noticed, but his language has really sharpened more and more has bordered on the and i'm not sure if that's uh, you know what, what that strategy is aimed at. i guess it's slicing and dicing the uh, electorate pitting one group against another i mean this that's is not what, what you is. expect from uh, somebody who's supposed to be uniting canadians one minute he's saying yeah we got to get together and be on the same page and you know listen to people and then he's demonizing an entire segment of society that's right I mean, it's, it's uh, so, horrific. So my, my son actually had a very uh, interesting observation about this commentary about anti-vaxxers. He was talking with friends. Um, so this is my youngest son. And he they were talking about anti-vaxxers. And he said, just be careful about the language you're using. He said, most of the people you're talking about are not anti-vaccine. They're anti-forced vaccination and they're anti-vaccine passports. They said that they're, they believe that their health care is a private matter, that it's between them and their doctors and their families to decide what the best thing is for them to do. It is not the business of everybody in Canada to know what their health status is. Um, and you can't say this about people. It's divisive. He said, and furthermore, and I thought this was so brilliant because he was talking to people in his age cohort. He said, frankly, it's racist. He said, you know, there are many people in the black community that are very averse to taking vaccines, and they have good reason because they've been used for medical experiments in the past. 
So they're hesitant about using vaccines. So be careful about being about saying this because it's kind of racist. <laughs> and he said, the room got really quiet. And they went, <laughs> and one woman said to him, you make some very good points. But this is the problem is that nobody thinks about what they're saying. Or in the case of Trudeau, I think he knows very well what he's saying. And he is trying to pit one segment against another. The term anti-vaxxers is a very divisive term and is not at all accurate about what is happening. What you're seeing is people who are anti-Trudeau, that's number one, anti-vaccine mandates and anti-vaccine passports. Some people may, there may be a small number, whatever it is, a small percentage of people that are really anti-vaccine. There always have been. And I don't know why now all of a sudden this is an issue. They have existed before. They've refused to vaccinate their kids or themselves or whatever. That's their choice. They take the risk. Um, the rest of us who are vaccinated have no risk. So I don't know why we're carrying on like maniacs about this. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? Let's wrap this up because uh, I know you've got to get on to other things. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show today once again. Thank you, George. My Ann. pleasure. George Ann Burke, Senior Vice President of Pathway Group. She's a communications and political strategist. And uh, always appreciate having George Ann on the show. We're going to take a brief timeout, commercial break, back with more on News Talk Saga 960 after this.